0: So uh, Luke chapter 15 is where we're going to be, but we're actually going to back up into 14 a little bit to the end of 14, and uh, before we, uh, you know, move into 15, we're going to kind of do a recap of of uh, the end of 14. It's a it's a good scene setter for us. Um, it's important for us to to kind of understand. It's good because when these when the scriptures were written, they didn't have chapters and verses, right? These were broken out for reference years and years and years later. Uh, and it's easier for us to find where we need to be. So uh, for us, it will be uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 is where we're going to end up uh, picking up. But I, I do need to go back into 14. So, so we are going to back up to verse uh, 25 of Luke chapter 14. So last time I taught, um, we had, we had talked about the about the pride of the Pharisees and uh, their desire to be noticed uh, publicly. And, oh, hey, I need to be seen as a holy person. I need to, Everybody needs to recognize me by the way I, I, I pray out on the corners or um, by what I'm uh, doing here, how I'm dressed, and uh, where I'm sitting in a specific spot of honor. And, and uh, the reminder was to, uh, you know, what the Lord was saying, is sit in a lowly place. If you get promoted, then... You know, you're supposed to, you're in the place you're not, you're supposed now think of, uh, you're, sorry, you're in the place you're supposed to be. The biggest spot I can think of this would be like, for our culture, would be like a wedding, you know, because in a wedding, you know, so you've got your, your wedding party is, it wouldn't be appropriate for us to sit in the wedding party seat, right? If we're, if we're just there as, as somebody who's visiting probably wouldn't be appropriate for us to go sit where the parents sit of the bride and groom. So uh, you know, for us in this day and in our culture, it might be something more of a, hey, just, just kind of go in and find a seat to sit down. Uh, and what was happening here with these guys is they just they needed the recognition. Their their pride uh, was everything that they wanted. And So as we pick up here uh, in 25, uh, we're we're going to kind of, I won't spend a whole lot of time here because we ended on there last time, but it, it's a scene setter for where we're going into 15. So verse 25 of Luke 14 says, now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them. So there's, there are a lot of people following Jesus right now. He's saying some pretty harsh things to some, some people here, but there's a lot of people there walking with Jesus. And uh, Verse 26 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost? whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes to him with 20,000? or else while the other is still a great ways off, he might send a delegation and ask conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So uh, we, we did talk about this. So some of this is just going to be a refresher, but it does set the setting, set the table for us where we're at. And we'll finish it. We'll pick up in 34 here in just a moment. But, Jesus is talking about making a full commitment to following him here. And as he's making that, it's a moment by moment, day by day commitment to follow the Lord. It wasn't like, hey, some guys up here with the the, the nice, the, the coloring and uh, you've got just the mood, moods right. You've got some mood music here and you got somebody that's just talking to you and that just says, hey, why don't you make this decision now? Jesus is talking about. A decision where you've counted the cost and you understand what it means to forsake our sin and to follow after him. That that call to follow Jesus isn't just a, an emotional thing where we, we, we make that, uh, that that declaration of faith and, we, and we'll pray that prayer one time and then we never uh, have anything to do with him again where we don't go to church, we don't read our Bibles, we don't do anything uh, like that. Again, we don't practice any type of faith. What he's saying is this is a full commitment. It's rejecting the world and our flesh and following Jesus day by day, moment by moment. Because we all know that there are times in every single day that we come to a point where our flesh and our sinful desires want X, whatever X is. And we know that the Holy Spirit is ministering to us saying, no, 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 no. That's the old person. The new uh, person that's that's accepted the Lord and is walking with the Lord doesn't conduct themselves that way. Very important for us to be continuing to understand what it is to follow Jesus. So he's he's also saying, uh, so as you go through here, if you don't understand the context in which he's speaking, and if someone just reads this, they're going to go, wait a minute, I got to hate everybody. That's we, what we have to have is consistency. We have to have proper context when we're studying the scriptures, right? You can't just, you know, if we just look at a verse and somebody just quotes this, Jesus said to hate. Jesus said we're going to hate everybody. Granted, there are some people that are married that do hate each other, right? They're in that, that spot. You know, I, I, I always laugh, you know. Um, my wife and I always get a kick out of, um, and, and forgive me, there's a, I, I don't remember exactly where it is uh, in Proverbs, but, it, it, you know, uh, where, where Solomon's just basically saying, you know, rather than be in the house of a contentious wife, you know, that husband wants to be up on the rooftop just on a shingle. Just give me the shingle. Give me this little spot here so I don't have to go into contention. And believe me, it's not just, you know, I don't want to paint a picture that it's only a wife that can be nagging. There are some guys. We know guys are we're are usually the problem. But we're usually the ones that are the problem that are just overbearing, and we're letting our emotions run the house and everything. And everybody's just kind of afraid to come out of the like from under the table or, or whatever because you know that type of thing. Those are it, it's not that hatred, you know. It's it we should not be as Christians living with with a type of hatred that's running our homes. What the Lord is saying here, and, and in that uh, Jewish culture, it was very the, the comparisons were were always used. You know it, that our love should that our love for the Lord should be paramount in our lives, and that everything else uh, is going to pale in in that. Those relationships uh, with our wives, with our parents, with our kids, everybody should be uh, in proper alignment as our uh, our relationship with the Lord is correct. We can't esteem anything other. Uh, than the Lord, uh, the higher than the Lord in our lives. That's what's being said here, is that our relationship with Jesus Christ has to be number one in our lives, has to be. We have to make our faith our number one priority in our lives, because when we don't, that's when all the, I got to go live on a shingle, or I got to go hide over here, or, I got to, I just got to get out of the house. That's where that stuff comes from, when our, our relationship with our Father isn't right. So very important for us. And hating, hating other people, uh, hating our family, will go against the other teachings of the, of the, the Lord and, um, and the rest of his word. You know, If you look at something like Ephesians 5, verse 25, is, we're commanded to love our wives as Christ loves the church. He laid down, and, and uh, what did Christ do? He laid his life down for the church. So we are commanded as Christians to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And Jesus said, you know, greater love is not a man than to lay one's life down for his friends. Honor your father and your mother. Be tender-hearted, uh, understanding, uh, tender-hearted. And guys, this is for us toward our wives. You know, what did Peter uh, Peter explain that as the weaker vessel, as the, that very, very precious thing that we can't break. We have to be very careful not to not to be uh, overbearing and um, let our, our uh, attitudes or, or anger or frustrations come out. And, uh, also told to minister to our children and not provoke them to wrath, not bring them to a point of frustration and discouragement. So when the Lord says to hate all these hates, he's not that if you understand proper biblical doctrine, uh, if anybody ever it brings this to us and says, well, what what does this mean? That we can just say, hey, this is what this means, because the Lord isn't telling us that we need to have hatred in our heart towards our, our family or anything like that. What he's saying here is the, 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 the paramount point in our lives, we, we have to have a proper relationship with our Father. We have to. So he's talking about the cost of discipleship. It's not an emotional approach, like I said, where we've, we've got, you know, proper lighting and we've got the mood and we've got this and and somebody up here just saying, you know, just just drawing you into making an emotional decision. What he's talking about is a, a calculated decision. And he goes on and he uses that. You don't start building a tower. You don't start building a building without thinking, oh, well, how much is this going to cost? You don't go into war and say, do we have what we need? To, you know, to go in, you know, you got two guys that are going to go fight in the parking lot. We can take on those 20 guys. Probably going to end up bad for you. Not in- encouraging anybody to go fight in the parking lot. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's just important for us that as we understand, it's a calculated decision to forsake all. So what he's doing here is he's, this. that's a tough thing to hear. And that he's, he's really hitting home with a lot of things. Uh, calculate a decision to fa- uh, forsake all. So God calls us to respond. What's great when we respond to the gospel, responding to his love. You can think of, uh, and I know it, when I just say this, you're probably going to think of several different religions. Like, if you don't convert, you're dead. If you don't convert, you're dead. That's it, you're going to get beheaded. If you proclaim uh, in a Muslim nation that that you're a Christian, you're a target. There are other religions that are just going to take you, oh, you're just a Christian. You're just a Christian. Just understanding that... You know, there there is a cost for following Jesus and that as we follow him, our, our faith can't waver based on who we're talking to or where we're at. It's a calculated decision to follow Christ. And that's, that's where, where we're, as we're working our way towards chapter 15, this is you know, what the Lord is doing. He's speaking to these great multitudes. Remember that there's a whole multitude following him and he's preaching these. Some of this is very difficult to read. And, and, and you may go, oh, man, you know, I, 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 it's pretty heavy, pretty heavy. That's what he wants. He wants us to calculate the cost. Are we going to follow him or not? Verse 34 says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the dunghill. But men throw it out. He who has ears, let him hear. Speaking to a fruitless ministry of Christians, that's what that's talking about, fruitless ministry. If our salt doesn't have flavor, what good is it for? It's a fruitless ministry. It's important for us to understand that our our faith should be. We just took communion. And how does our how does our walk or our ministry end up becoming fruitless or 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 tasteless or anything because we start following ourselves. We start doing self's will and we start following what we want to do rather than following Jesus. We're we're not called to be lukewarm or backslidden or stagnant in our faith. We're always supposed to be moving forward. Always supposed to be following the Lord and moving forward. So that's the setting as we're going into 15. The Lord just set that very strong uh, um, I, I guess a recipe. Uh, uh, the word isn't coming to my mind what I want to say. So uh, the Lord is, is setting the stage and he's making sure that the the group that's there and that everybody that hears him understands what it means to follow him and what it means to be his disciple. And he sets a very, uh, a, a very plain setting here. It's not, there's not much to really uh, no mysterious thing to look at right here. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, um, uh, straight pretty straightforward cut and dried. So verse 15, sorry, chapter 15, verse 1. So we understand what was just being said, some of the hard things uh to hear and wow, you know, okay, this sounds like a pretty serious decision, like the most serious decision we're ever going to make in our lives. It says then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear it. Okay. He's got the religious leaders, he's got A whole, swarms of people, and who are the ones that drew near to hear him? The tax collectors and the sinners. We, it's it's hard to just pick up in verse verse one of. You guys see why we kind of went back? It's hard to pick up there without understanding the context of like, what are we reading here? What are what are we digging into? It's the tax collectors and the sinners that drew near to hear him. What that gives me in my mind, and I don't know if it's if it's right is these guys are like moving religious leaders out of the way. (laughs) You know, that's what I'm seeing in my mind. I don't know if that's exactly what happened. I don't want to be up here speaking heresy or anything, but that's what my heart tells me is that these guys are like climbing over people and, you know, Hey, I'm going around this way and I want, I want to hear what he has to say. It's the tax collectors and the sinners, the deplorables. You guys get it? He just, he just set the stage of what it means to follow Jesus a very serious calling and he goes on to say all these them what it means to be a follower of him and the ones that respond are the last that we would think would respond the tax collectors the traders as they were seen in in israel in those days the traders because they worked for rome and they took israel's money and they gave it to rome so when you're when you're trying to understand you as we're going through these who are the people that respond after hearing all this, the ones that respond are the tax collectors and the sinners. That's uh, pretty powerful. Now, you're probably familiar. I know I'm seeing a lot of familiar faces, probably very familiar with this passage of Scripture and these parables. What's important for us to understand is that there are some things in here for us to glean that uh, we can learn about ourselves and our own hearts. Um on different ends of each of these, I love I love these uh, these parables because they 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 really speak to uh, several different part of uh, you know points of view that we can be in in our lives. But uh, so we read uh, verse one where it says the tax collectors and the sinners are the ones that are drawing near, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." So what's being said here They're not getting it. They're not getting the whole point of Jesus's ministry. The whole point is that the lost would be saved. Now, how, how many times did Jesus say it's not it's not the, the the healthy that need a physician. It's the sick that need the physician. You know, they're, they're not getting uh, these things. And those in their in their legalistic hearts, they're looking at Jesus going, uh, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Guys, that's the whole point. That's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of, you know, you read through the Old Testament. I'm always amazed at how many people say the Old Testament God and the New Testament God are two different people. No, they're not at all. How many times you read in the, in the Old Testament God saying, if you would just turn, if you'd just come to me, I can restore you and, 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 and bring you back to where you're at. But right now, you guys are getting your hiney spanked right now because the Lord's getting our attention. Who does the Lord chasten? His children, right? He th- Those uh, the, that the Lord loves, he chastens. We can read that. It's very important for us to understand that that chastening brings us back to him. Just like uh, a parent, you know, I, my kids, thankfully, they learned pretty quick. Um, some learn faster than others, right? Uh, you know, I, I just look back and I remember seeing some of my siblings like, the whoopings continued for a long time. I would see them get the whoopings. Jason knows my siblings, uh, and uh, <laughs> he knows my family. You know, and there were, you know, I got my fair share of them. Soap in the mouth. Yeah, those types of that, that ch- chastisement. That so it, it's, uh, you know, what we should be understanding is that that is supposed to bring us to repentance. That that we when when we see the uh, the result of our sin and and where it's bringing us. And uh, and the trouble it gets us into uh, when we are being chastened, it's the Lord in His grace and mercy chastening us and bringing us back. So all the people that are coming are tax collectors and sinners, and the religious leaders. Now think of that: the religious leaders, the ones that are supposed to be leading them in their religion, are offended at the fact that sinners are coming to repentance. That they have think of that like. In our own hearts, how, how uh, you know, Pharisaical can we be in our own hearts that we go, oh, you know, I can't stand this group of people or that group of people. And look over there. We got to be careful because we can turn into a Pharisee in our own hearts. So these guys are all all bent out of shape. But that's what the whole, the, that's what this whole Bible is for, guys, is for man's redemption and to be brought back to God. That's what the, the whole point of this is is to lead us to God and to following him. That's what the whole book is about. That's the, the, it's, it's so important for us to understand. So this man receives sinners and eats with them. Yep, that's our Jesus. He wants to take us from that point of disobedience and bring us to uh, the point where we're made new and we're now walking with the Lord. Like I said, you're going to be familiar with these parables. So verse 3 says, So he spoke this parable to them, saying, have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the ninety-nine than over ninety-nine just persons who have no need of who uh, need no repentance. Now what we're going to find here is all three of these parables have the word or a variation of the word lost, found, rejoice. This is this is as. The Lord has the attention of the, of the sinner and the tax collector. He's schooling the religious leader at this point. And he's trying to bring home the point that as he's got their attention and they're learning about their, their state of, uh, of, of sinfulness and being lost and that they can be found and that there's rejoicing in heaven, that the, the religious leaders versus hoping that they're going to you know, be uh, fuel for the fires of hell, that they can be saved. All are benefiting from what's happening here. And so when we're reading this, you're going to, each of these, you're going to see lost, found and rejoice. The theme of each of these parables. Sometimes those words exactly are in there or very close to them. So what we see here, I found uh, my sheep, which was lost. And he says, uh, rejoice with me. Okay. So, so that's one of them. So each of these speaks of, uh, to the value of each example. And, um, To understand how valuable we are in the eyes of the Lord. And we understand that one that's lost. I mean, for the most part, I I don't own any sheep. You know, like I told you guys before, Noah has sheep, right? (laughs) You know, and he was talking to us upstairs. It was such a blessing to hear. I learned from him just sitting there. I mean, guys, if we come to the point where we can't learn from a kid, you know we 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 have to understand and he was telling me yeah yeah one time you know we lost a sheep and my dad and my uncle we were trying to get the and i know i shared this with you guys last time we were in here but it's so important for us to understand you know you know sheep better than than probably any of us do unless you guys have sheep right sheep need to be constantly herded they want to wander right they 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 just they don't kind of know they they're just they're doing what they want to do and they don't understand um as I'm saying this, what, what's coming to mind is, so a few weeks ago, right after uh, the announcement of, of um, what's happening here with uh, church leadership and everything, we got in the van and we drove down to Philadelphia. And right as we get into Philadelphia, we parked the van at the hotel and we all start piling out. And uh, this uh, you know cute uh, young lady, probably in her early 20s, I'm thinking maybe she... Like her car's broken down or whatever, and uh, she she comes over, we're all grabbing our bags. She goes, "Hey, what's going on here? We've got uh, the, um, uh, the the ministry van with us. It's got the little ministry, you know, uh, some scripture next to it." And I said, "Oh, we're just we're all just." And you know, she's kind of like, "Who are you guys? What are you doing?" I said, oh, "We're just down here for a pastors' conference and everything." She's like, "Oh, well, you know, uh, I, I, I'm here and and uh, I've got a room, and I've got some friends coming over. You guys want to come over and have some drinks?" And I looked at her and I'm like, no, 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 no. We're here for a pastor's conference. She's like, well, we can drink wine. Guys, I'm not even making this up. I could not believe it. And I said, no, no, no. And she goes, well, well, I go to church. I go to, and she told me the church. And I'm like, great. And, uh, you know, it was a very uncomfortable, weird conversation. We're, We're in a place that I'm not familiar with. And I happened to, I was driving. So I get out and she comes right to me and she's talking to me. I have no idea what's going on. Now, I'll admit, I'm from a small town in Maine. I don't know. We could have just been set up for a mugging. I don't know what was happening, you know, but as soon as I heard that, I'm like, no, and I explained to her, no, we're not interested in drinking or anything. We're we're here for a pastor's conference, and, and when she told me she went to church, I'm like, great, great, so you need to work on staying in the sheep pen, and she's like, sheep? She's like, no, I go to church, and I said, yes, well, the Christian sheep pen tells us, you know, we need to not be conducting ourselves that way, and I could tell right over her head, hey, why don't you have a good night and everything? We grabbed our bags and we left. But I was trying to encourage her. I'm like, no, (laughs) No, we don't want to go hang out and party with you. We're, We're not doing that. That sheep had no direction in her life. If she is a follower of God, she is greatly strayed. It's important for us to understand the value of a sheep that is strayed. We have 99 of them that we would leave 99 to find one of them. I mean think about it like oh well hey I got 99 still right how no, one's gone no the true shepherd goes you know with the shepherding hook the staff and says no 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 right back here because what's out there outside the sheep pen is going to eat you alive physically and literally it's it, in spirit sorry sorry physically and spiritually very important for us to understand this is where we belong you know so that lost sheep was in great danger and then when this sheep owner comes in and, and gets everybody like, hey, I thought this one was gone. Think, think of the love for that, that love for each one of them, that one's gone. He doesn't go, ah, still got 99% of them. We're good. We're good. Let's keep, keep, keep going on. That one's gone. That's, that's a tender hearted shepherd, one that really cares about the sheep. And I love that the Lord says that there's more rejoicing. It says, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. Verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light the lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until uh, until she finds it? And when she has found it, so we've lost, found, right? Remember the three words we talked about? Lost, found, rejoice. She lost that. Verse 9 says she found it. She calls her friends and neighbors and saying to them, third word, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels, of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I just realized I'm not even following my notes at all so forgive me if I if I um, you know get lost but so this woman so we talked about the the one sheep and the ninety nine that are there this is now one tenth of what she had ten percent one percent to ten percent so when she has lost that and she's found it it's precious to her so uh you know it, her her thing is uh is hey come celebrate with me because what I thought I had lost I found so come on over let's 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 have a for today we'd be like hey we're cooking burgers and do- burgers and dogs right you know I think our culture is pretty simple with that stuff you know we're, we're gonna have burgers and dogs and this she wants to have a celebration she thought she had lost ten percent of what she had and now she has it she's like hey you know what I'm gonna call her friends over and we're we're gonna be blessed. Jesus is also using this as a a teaching moment that they would understand. Okay, so if it's not people, maybe it's money, you know. None of those things, that money isn't important. What's important is what they thought was lost has now been found. Come rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. So we get a glimpse into the Lord's heart. You know, the scripture tells us uh, in Isaiah uh, 62, verse 5 says, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. That the Lord rejoices over us. He loves us. Another scripture uh, from Zephaniah, chapter 3, verse 17 says, The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's the heart of our God. He's not like a distant being that is just up there with lightning bolts firing away. No. He wants us to repent. He wants us to come back. Instead of wandering in that lost wilderness, he wants that lost person to be found. But he, what, remember who we're talking to here, the lost, so the sinners and the tax collectors, but it's also the Pharisees, you know the religious leaders that are happening there that it's important in our hearts to understand that when we can have those judgmental looks on people and those lifestyles that are going on. You know, whatever that lifestyle is—the the partying, the homosexuality, the whatever it is—the oh, I, you know, a lot of people say the liberal, you know, you know, just whatever it is. You know what? They're a human being that's walking and living on the face of this earth. They need the grace uh, and and salvation from the Lord, They're the same as we did. So we shouldn't just be walking around. As I, I like how Will describes it, where you know Peter was just lopping ears off, right? Like like he did in in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, we're just ready to to attack. You know, hey, you got a loving father. What drew these people to Jesus Christ was his love. It's his love. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like he's sitting there and, and saying, you know what? All right, everybody line up. Whoever doesn't come follow me, off with your head. They heard the love in his voice. They heard what he had to say, and they knew that that was the truth, and they were following Jesus because of that. Not out of compulsion like you're going to die if you don't. It was God's love that drew them in. The uh, Bible Bible scholar Barclay um, that, uh, stated that many religious people in Jesus' day believed differently than uh, what we're seeing here, and even even had a saying: "There will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God." Isn't that awful? That was that was like the religion, guys. the 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 pastor or priest of those days is just like sinner. They're just they're just like getting the popcorn out, wait, waiting for the lightning bolt. I like, hear this one's gonna be cool, you know? Why why? That's that's a life that hasn't experienced the grace of God is what it is. Once we've experienced truly experienced His grace and His love and His mercy, and turned from our own sin and been redeemed and we're walking with the Lord as Christians, as followers of Christ, you know, our hearts should not be filled with that condemnation. It should be filled with love and, and that desire for them to be saved and, and to uh, to come to the point of uh, of salvation and, and being renewed. So the second thing we see, uh, the first one, the lost sheep, the lost corn, the corn was precious to her. There's a very familiar uh, passage as we're going into the parable, of the lost son. And, it's important for us to understand this is about both of the sons because there's a lost one that goes off and lives a prodigal life, you know, comes with a sinful desire and demands of his father. Uh, you know, I want everything. I'm If you don't know the story, I'm ruining the story. But uh, but then at the end of the story, it's about the brother that was there and say, so, you know, we, we do need to celebrate. Your brother was lost and now he's found. I've gained him back. So let's read. Like I said, I've already movie spoilers. I've, I've spoiled it here. So if you're not familiar, um, get familiar with this one. This is a great one. And then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, "Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me." So he uh, falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. So the father uh, just will break right there for a second. The father had the lawful authority to do so. The father wanted to give the the inheritance to whoever at that point they can do that. This son is just being completely selfish and disrespectful, and coming to his father and demanding his portion now. And he, but basically, what he's doing, he's uh, rejecting his time and his relationship with his father. And he's saying, "I just, I just want what I have coming to me. I don't really care to be around you and to have a relationship with you anymore. I want to go live my own life." The sinfulness that's in that demand is is. Is incredible. Verse 13 says, And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far away country, a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined them. Joined himself to a citizen of the country and he and he sent him into the field to feed swine and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and had to, uh, bread enough and to spare and i perish with hunger i will rise and go to my father and will say to him father i have sinned against you Against heaven, and, sorry, and and uh, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So you're probably familiar with what's happening here, and we'll finish the uh, the chapter out here in just a moment. But prodigal living, he sold everything off so that he could just have money, literally, to go spend and his, his, his partying, hiring prostitutes. Doing whatever he wants so that he can fulfill the desires of his flesh. He wants everything now. He gets it, and what we see is that he uh, quickly. Now, how many times do we hear of that? I mean, you, you can countless, uh, countless times you can hear of anybody who is, uh, who is rich and famous, or uh, they've got a lot of friends, don't they? There aren't a whole lot of rich and famous people that are out doing stuff that are out there by themselves. They always have like the, the huge entourage behind them. They're, they're like the barnacles, you know. You've got the whale, you got the whale swimming, or the shark. You got, I'm always amazed by that—the little fish that are like, hey, let just—if we attach ourselves to the fin, we're not going to get eaten type thing, right? I've always been amazed at the, uh, the you know, the barnacle or the little, the little fish that's there. That's that's what I look at. They're they're, you know, hey, we're, you know, where this guy? And they're going. And uh, money dries up really fast. I've heard of, you know, professional athletes. You have probably heard of them, that hundreds of millions of dollars, and within years, they're they're, they're broke they went out and they took all their money and spent it all just buying people stuff. And you got all kinds of friends. Hey, there's, you know, yeah, so no doubt this guy had a lot of people around him. As soon as people know you've got money, you've got a lot of friends, right? Yeah. I know a lot of us have joked about, Hey, you know what? I want to win the mega bucks. I want to win the, the Powerball or whatever. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. First of all, we've got to be wasting our money to do so. But, as soon as you let's say you win a hundred million dollars, how many times, how many people do you think are going to come out of the woodwork? Hey, hey, remember, hey, can I borrow like a hundred thousand dollars? Borrow, can I have? You know, we got all kinds of friends that are just going to come leech, right? Family, and 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 what is that going to do to our hearts is we're going to want that money, we're going to hold it here, and then now we're trusting in that money and we're not trusting in the Lord. That, that type of money can be so destructive to us. some people, the Lord Christians, our brothers and sisters, the Lord has blessed with, with, you know, great gain. And, and because he knows that they're going, they can properly use it and they're going to use it for his kingdom and they can bless others. Don't get me wrong. I mean, uh, if, if you've got a lot of money in your bank account and you're trusting in the Lord to walk with him and, and we're using our finances uh, well, and, and we're blessing others, then amen. That's, that's great. What happens though is that instant, as soon as, as soon as I'm rich, you know how many times does the Scripture tell us to guard our hearts against, you know, our desire, our sinful, simple desires for gain and, and those things, because it's going to rip us apart. So this guy went and he's, he's hiring prostitutes, he's partying, he's buying everybody, hey, hey, drinks are on me. Going, wait a minute, everything's starting to deplete, and he gets to that point of he's broke, and he's broken, all the friends are gone. He doesn't have any way to provide him for himself. Here's a Jewish man. We're, we're assuming is uh, Jewish because he, the Lord's speaking of, of um, speaking to Jews in here. Pigs, uh, swine are are unclean in in the, uh, Hebrew religion. So now this guy has hired himself to somebody in the country that he's in, and he's feeding these pigs. Guys, you're in a bad spot if pig slop looks good right think about it but how many of us in in our lives have gone right to the big slop and just said i'm content here you know and and what what breaks my heart and what brings me to it is i've seen many loved ones in my life totally addicted to substances and that that pig slop and, and the, you know the fact that i uh you know i've got nothing on uh you know no no uh, no meat on my bones and those, and I'm not saying this, uh, please don't mistake this for me being judgmental towards them. I've seen it and it's just breaking my heart that, you know how people say, I can't wait for them to hit rock bottom, whatever there's a rock bottom, this guy had hit it. And it's heartbreaking to see somebody that needs to hit that spot because they're literally looking at pig slop, spiritual pig slop. And they're looking at it going, if only I had just, if I just had that, You know what, I'd be fine with whatever this pig is eating. If you've never seen pig slop, it's usually whatever's been left over all week long in a restaurant or something. I know people, when I used to work at a restaurant, we'd have guys come up that own farms and they'd just, uh, we'd have buckets of just food, like gross stuff, and they were going to go throw it out to the pig. None of us want, there's no nutrition there. We're just going to get sick, right? It's the same thing spiritually. We're not getting any nutrition from it and we're sick. And we're dragging ourselves along. It's the same thing. So this guy gets to the point where he's like, what have I done? You want to talk about a rock bottom or a pig, pig slop bottom? I like that better. It speaks It speaks hard. Uh, one of them's a little too cliche for me, I think, right now. But um, they're at that point where he just says, all, all my dad's servants have enough to eat and more. And here I am, and I'm starving to death. I wonder if my dad would just take me back and let me be a servant. What if I can go live in the barn? You know what? I'll go sleep with the fleas and the haystack or whatever, but it's better than what I've got out here. That's a bad place to be physically and spiritually, isn't it? So he's, he's, he's at that point And this situation is leading him there. And he, he's, he's rehearsing. Something, and he says, you know, uh, and he's like, he just wants to. We ended in verse uh, 19, did we? That's I'll, I'll pick up in 20 if we, if I uh, reread it. I'm sorry, but and he arose and came to his father, and when, uh, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This guy had his 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 his, his uh, speech all worked up. He had it right in the back pocket. He was ready to, as soon as he got to his dad, just say, Dad, I'm so sorry. Just And he didn't even get a chance to get it. Now, running, that father, in that culture, it's not common for an older man to be running. So when he sees his son and beelines, sorry if that was, uh, and beelines right to his son, that's, that's saying something of the broken heart of that father. And he's running right to his son. He doesn't care what his son has to say. Falls right on him. Kisses on his neck. And he's, he's so blessed. And the son said to him, verse 21, every, he's trying to say it. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22 says, but the father said to his son, uh, said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost there's a word right And he's found and he began to be merry to rejoice. the rejoice the the three things right lost found rejoice be merry all three of these you think the lord was making a point all three of those stories would hit him from different angles Okay, think of a lost sheep. Think of a lost coin. Now think of a lost son, a person. So you can look at a sheep and go, well, you know, they're not really equal to a person or a coin. Okay, great. What about the life? What about the soul of somebody being saved? Think of the point that's being brought up here. The situation leads, this man's situation led him to a point of his mind changed. That mind change, so if you're not familiar with it, or for us to to equip, and I, I know I say this a lot, but have it in our spiritual backpack or our toolbox, it's very important for us to understand what repent means. It's a changing of a mind. You're going in one direction, you change your mind and go in the other direction. This guy's circumstances brought him to that point. Very important in our lives when we know somebody is in that. Our hearts are going to be. I gotta dive in and save them. I gotta help them. I gotta pull them out. I've been there before. I've failed right there. I gotta help them. Will I remember sharing with us? I have it written right here that it's important for us to experience the pain, embarrassment, and want because it's going to lead. It should lead to repentance. So that circumstance should bring you to a point of pain, experience, and want. We shouldn't be sitting there going, "Oh no, I don't want really to deal with any of this." No. Sometimes you just have to stand back and let that, that thing take its course. Let them know, hey, warn them. What you're doing right now is leading you in this direction, spiritually, physically, whatever it is. And we can share that. I was, I was talking with, with Zach this morning. who's was uh, talking about a friend of his uh, uh, that was a professing Christian is now um, living a lifestyle not including the Lord at all and isn't rebelling to God. And, and Zach's trying to encourage him, no, you need to follow the Lord. This is, this is the end result. You know, and, you know, sometimes we have to we have to declare that and hopefully not with a pharisaical heart say, you know, I, I, you know, I pray you find the Lord's grace and, and, and mercy should be our response. Well, fine then, go let it ruin your life. And that's usually what's going to kind of boil up in us when we see that someone's rejecting it. We have to remember where we came from. We have to remember that in our hearts. So they put a robe on him and a uh, symbol there. The Lord clothing us in righteousness when we come to Him. You know, we just a broken heart. What does it say that God loves when when someone comes to Him with a broken and contrite heart? When we can just go to Him and He wants to restore us. How many times did He beg Israel, "Just come, come back to Me"? How many times does He does He beg us and, and call us, "Put the robe on"? Verse twenty-five. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house and heard music and dancing, so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been uh, serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may uh, be married with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured uh, our livelihood, uh, your livelihood with harlots, uh, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead, lost alive again, found and was lost and found. He's, he's saying here, look, so the Lord gives that same example three times, lost, found rejoicing, lost, found rejoicing several different angles. Okay. If you're not going to get it here, you might get it here or you might get it here. All three of these parables. That's a lot that the Lord just, just explained. It's a lot of patience, and it's a lot of, of of graciousness the Lord is showing. You know as well as I do, there were times where the Lord would just blast them. You guys are of vipers. You're sons of snakes. You know, right here, he's giving them several different options. You know, okay, what about this story? What about this story? What about this story? You know, that that older son represents the Pharisees and religious leaders, and he can represent us with a Pharisaical heart where, where oh, this person saved Right. You know, as a Christian, you know, hopefully we're all like, well, why would I do that? Right. Then your heart's in the right spot. Right. But if we're looking, we can we can look at today. We can see a bumper sticker. We can see uh, an event going on. We can see these things and just go, oh, man, I want to camp out here. Remember, we talked about Jonah last time. Jonah's just sitting there just waiting, just waiting. Okay, here's the destruction. Here we go. And then uh, it didn't come, and and Jonah says, "Great, I I knew you were going to do this. I know you're merciful, and you're just going to just let them go." So that you know, and the Lord saying, "Would you rather those people that didn't know their left from their right just die? You know, we just saved Nineveh. You know, uh, and and yeah, that that heart can be in us. So uh, you know, God isn't willing that any would perish, but that all should come to eternal life." Right, Second Peter three nine. It's a true heart of the Lord. You guys are going to all be familiar with this. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him would be saved the if you if you if we as christians would, would look at the lost around us and understand something uh second timothy paul wrote this to timothy in humility uh, chapter two, uh, two, verse 25 and 26 says in humility correcting those who are in opposition if god perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil having been taken captive to do his will Having that understanding, that that heart, that soft heart toward the loss, is very important for us as Christians. We need to be careful of our own hearts. So we saw that the sheep was precious to the, the shepherd, the coin was was precious to uh, the, the woman that lost it, uh, the son was precious to the father. And you know, Jesus relates each story to uh, a sinner repenting. On all three of them, he says, "Yeah, there's rejoicing here, but." There's rejoicing in heaven. There's rejoicing in heaven when a sinner comes to repentance. So important. so uh, that we understand that when someone has come to repentance, heaven is rejoicing. That's, it's hard for me to understand and, and for us to put our, wrap our heads around. But they see the eternal change in direction in that person's life from damnation to salvation. That's something to celebrate over. What God is saying is it's such a big deal that someone comes to salvation that angels are rejoicing in heaven when they see it happen. We have an enemy of our soul, Satan, that's trying to keep us in our sinful state. But the Lord is constantly in his graciousness and in his mercy reaching out to us, calling us to repentance, calling us. Very important for us to understand that. And when when we have conversations, to be able to share that. Should always have, you know, a repentant heart when we need it, and um, and understand that he's he's there to rejoice and uh, to restore, and um, and uh, he rejoices. Heaven rejoices when a sinner comes to repentance. So r- remember the setting. You know, the the, the hard uh, reality of what it means to follow Jesus is is pitched out to these people, lay people. You know, people that just a, a basic understanding. They. Message, and they're the ones that drew near to Jesus. And then the Lord goes on to say, after the tax collectors and sinners say, these, you know, he receives these sinners and he sits down to eat with them, this whole thing goes right to them. This is all to the Pharisees. All, all with me. No doubt a great benefit to the lost that are now being found, right? They're all reading this and t- I, no doubt tears flowing as they're hearing these stories. of That prodigal son made... That made a lot of sense. Hey, I was a shepherd. I know I know what it is. Or, hey, you know what? I know what it is to, to, to lose my livelihood and, and my, my heart to be broken because, well, you know, how am I going to pay my bills or whatever it is? So those people most definitely benefited from, from hearing what Jesus was speaking to religious leaders. But what's being said here is mostly directed to the religious leaders to correct them. Such a blessing for us to understand that the Lord's desires that the lost be found and that we understand that there's rejoicing in heaven. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, and we'll pray. And Father, we are so blessed by your wonderful and, and gracious heart. Your wonderful Maker, as we sang today. Wonderful Maker, Lord, that uh, that you desire so desire to be with us, Lord, that you made the way. Set your only Son to die for us. You're living a perfect and sinless life, that the sinless would die for the sinful, that we can be restored and renewed. We thank you so much for it, Lord. And we ask, God, that if there be any sin in our lives, Lord, that you would convict us of it and that we would turn from it and to follow you. Lord, if there's a, a, you know, a pharisaical heart within us, work it out of us and, and restore us with your love. God, that we wouldn't walk around, you know, lopping off ears, Lord, but we would go around in love, sharing, Lord, that we won't see the sinner, you uh, know, coming to you and and uh, and be upset about it. Oh, Lord, that that would never be said of the church. Oh, God, that we would be so blessed to know that that the lost, whatever whatever group it may be, I mentioned some of them in this, whatever group it may be, Lord, that they would experience your grace and mercy. And, and be restored, be renewed, saved. Lord, to understand how you long for, for the sinner to repent and that you rejoice over us and the angels are celebrating when someone is lost. Your powerful love, Lord, that let us, let us share. Oh, Lord, we do. We, we don't need to, to cover up uh, anything about sin in condemnation if, if, if sin isn't turned from and is isn't repented from, it, but we can share that it does need to be repented of. And, God, that you want to restore, you want to save, you want to pull us out of, in anybody out of that sinful state and give us true life in you. We thank you for your grace, love, and mercy, and we pray that it would cover us as we go about the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen.